actually warn them that if people find out where he is, he's going to get it. A notorious gangster shot in Kelowna and the explosive discovery made at the crime scene. Plus, kind of ruined my weekend. Double setback for the Okanagan, high COVID cases and the nation's worst air quality. Also, a dangerous and illegal stunt on the peak-to-peak -peak gondola. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Jordan Armstrong. Nitu Garcha is away tonight. BC's gang war heating up on the Okanagan this long weekend. Gunfire erupted in Kelowna last night, injuring two men, including a known criminal with a notorious reputation. And as Amadagahi reports, investigators made an alarming discovery at the crime scene. This is 37-year-old Kyle Giannis of West Kelowna, a man that RCMP, in a rare move, are publicly calling a threat to the community. This comes only hours after Giannis and another man from Surrey were the targeted victims of a shooting Saturday night, putting a busy section of Kelowna's Pandozi Street behind police tape. So releasing the name of the victim is a step that we don't take very lightly. Giannis is known to police and the public for that matter, and previous attempts to take his life have perhaps made him a walking target. We do believe uh, that because of his criminal activity and his associates, he poses a real and pressing threat to our community. In late March, Giannis was hit in the leg, but survived a shooting outside a fitness center in Kelowna. And in 2017, uh, he wasn't in the restaurant, he went into the restaurant for help. Giannis was also targeted and shot several times outside a Brown social house in Langley, something he openly speaks about in this YouTube video explaining his life. I laid on that with my back, and that's where the holes were. Previous to that, Giannis was sentenced to 13 years in U.S. prison for his role in a failed drug smuggling operation. I said, am I breaking any bylaws? He said, no. He is originally from the Lower Mainland, but Global News spoke to him last year outside this West Kelowna home. He's ripped off numerous people in the past. And in fact, when I, I found out through uh, social media, he had a, a business going up in Kelowna. I actually warned them that... Uh, if people find out where he is, he's going to get it. On Sunday, a bomb squad was called into the scene of the Kelowna shooting after investigators found an explosive. Police are asking for witnesses, while some have reported a man fleeing in a silver SUV. Giannis has been released from hospital, but the second victim, a 25-year-old man, has life-threatening injuries. Amadagahi, Global News. Now, it just so happens that this month marks 10 years since the brazen murder of Red Scorpions gang leader Jonathan Bacon outside the Delta Grand Hotel in Kelowna. It happened August 14, 2011. Two other gangsters were hurt when automatic gunfire targeted their Porsche Cayenne. Two women in the SUV were also shot. One of them left a paraplegic. One man eventually pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and attempted murder. Two others pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit murder. Four units in a Surrey townhouse complex are seriously damaged after fire tore through the building this afternoon. Flames could be seen shooting from the roof of the complex in the 16200 block of 83rd Avenue in Fleetwood just after noon. Witnesses say the fire may have started in a barbecue on a back patio. Residents rushed to get out as the flames quickly spread. Some even tried to put out the fire with garden hoses. Fortunately, no one was hurt. 
I was in my bedroom and all I heard was uh, everybody get out and I looked through the window and I saw the smoke and that was in the uh, the fort house which was the uh, I believe that's where the fire started and uh, we got out with the neighbors trying to do what we can with the water through with the hose. The, the fire did extend up into the roof system and uh, a number of the units in this uh, section of uh, buildings uh, are damaged by water and fire at this point. In Langley, an empty house was destroyed by fire overnight. Crews say the flames broke out at about 2 o'clock this morning at a property on 208th Street near 26th Avenue. Firefighters managed to keep the flames from spreading to a nearby barn and other structures. The cause of the fire is under investigation. The crews did a great job uh, protecting the trees and the brush uh, in the surrounding area with the dry conditions. Uh, that was uh, a, ma a major priority. There's an exposure in the back as well, small barn, and uh, keeping the fire from spreading into the surrounding trees and brush. First responders were called to a property near Highway 1 in Abbotsford this morning after a barn on King Road just off the McCallum exit caught fire. Police had to shut down neighboring roads to help fire crews get a handle on the blaze. There's no word on what sparked that fire. The August long weekend should be the peak of tourism season in the Okanagan. But heading into B.C. Day, the region is facing two major challenges. Wildfire smoke and an explosion in COVID-19 cases. Global's Megan Turcato has more on what that means for local tourism businesses and their customers. People in Kelowna still trying to make the best of the August long weekend, despite concerns about wildfire smoke and COVID. Spend some time with the family, walk around. It's, it is what it is. Like you said, it's not, if it's not under your control, there's nothing you can do about it. During a time when people are typically focused on fun and sun, the area is facing a number of challenges. Poor air quality. Due to smoke, air quality was considered a very high health risk in the region on Sunday. And this week, the health authority declared a COVID-19 outbreak in the central Okanagan and discouraged people who are not fully vaccinated from making non-essential trips here. Still, many visitors have followed through on their vacation plans. We're thinking like as long as we keep to ourselves, kind of keep our masks on and do our part, should be safe enough. We're going on to Vancouver, so no, we'll stick it out, see, try and find the beauty around here anyway. But some companies say they are noticing a slump in traffic, including this water sports business that's had some cancellations. Uh, whether it's uh, they didn't make it to town at all uh, because they canceled their plans completely or their other plans fell through and they decided they wanted to stay in or just for their own health. But uh, it is what it is. At this outdoor market, some vendors say it's slower than usual. We are here, we set up for making money if we don't make enough and it doesn't feel like it's worth it. But what can we do if a smoke is smoke? Oh my, it's quiet. Yeah, and it, the smoke definitely puts a damper on it. You have a little bit less locals coming out and a little bit more people who are still tourists here are that have hung around <laughs> are still here. But business isn't down for everyone. This boat tour company says they're having a normal long weekend. We haven't had any cancellations and uh, people still want to get out there and still something fun to do. Still for many, the smoke and COVID conditions have changed their weekend plans, even if they haven't canceled their trip or their fun. Megan Tricato, Global News, Kelowna. 
From the Okanagan to the coast, rain is helping firefighting efforts today, but already more than half a million hectares has burned in B.C. That's more than any August the 1st in the past 20 years, including the devastating fire seasons of 2003, 2017 and 2018. The most recent ignitions were a result of lightning in the Fraser Valley. Upwards of 70 strikes were recorded just around Harrison Lake, sparking eight separate fires. The flames are in remote areas, so right now, no structures are at risk. A welcome sign in Vernon as heavy rain fell this afternoon. While it may help slow fires, it is certainly not enough to stop them altogether. The White Rock Lake fire is still being called aggressive. It is burning 34 kilometers west of Vernon and now covers 32,000 hectares. It has crossed the Salmon River Forest Service Road on its south flank. 10 helicopters, 99 firefighters, and 41 structure protection specialists are fighting this blaze. Strong winds were not helping firefighters in the southeast today. The Bill Nye Mountain Fire is seeing more activity. Flames jumped a fire guard on the northeast perimeter, threatening one structure. Crews, backed by helicopters, are trying to control the fire's spread. Crews are getting the upper hand on the Fat Dog Creek Fire in Manning Park. Thanks to rain, it only grew about five hectares overnight and is now estimated at 35 hectares. Today, helicopters were dousing hot spots along the perimeter. All right, we want to bring in our meteorologist Yvonne Shell a bit early now because she is tracking some active weather. Yvonne? Yeah, Jordan, and it's both good and bad. Good that we have seen some precipitation, especially for the Okanagan Valley through the day today. But we do have a severe thunderstorm watch that is into the southeastern corners of the province, and we are looking at the potential for some lightning to pop up across the region and very windy conditions, and this will still take us in towards the next two to three hours. We still have a severe thunderstorm watch that's also in effect. That's for Williston, Bulkley Valley, and the lakes included with in that and a few lightning strikes could pop across the central interior and we'll still see that risk once again for tomorrow central and southern half of the province now air quality advisory we've got smoke across the region we've seen it today metro vancouver fraser valley it is in effect once again and we can see on the air quality health index for most areas across metro vancouver we're sitting at low those are the areas in blue and moderate now is starting to pop up and we can see that stretching in towards the fraser valley we do have active weather once again and in the long range some rain for the south coast. The timeline coming up very shortly. Jordan? All right, thanks for this, Yvonne. For a second straight day, people wanting to fly to or from Kamloops are out of luck. Heavy rain this afternoon could not clear the blanket of smoke in the region, causing havoc at the airport. Only one Pacific Coastal flight to Vancouver was able to depart this morning. The major airlines have cancelled service through tomorrow morning. North Okanagan RCMP are investigating after two grass fires were deliberately set in Armstrong. Yesterday morning, two small grass fires were discovered in a ditch near the intersection of Otter Lake Road and Fraser Road. The resident who found them while out on a walk was able to extinguish the flames before they could grow out of control. Anyone with information on who started the fires is asked to call the RCMP. A COVID-19 modeling expert is projecting that the highly transmissible Delta variant will account for all COVID cases in B.C. in the next two weeks. The B.C. Centre for Disease Control says as of July 24th, the Delta variant was responsible for two-thirds of total cases in this province. But Dr. Sally Otto says that should go up to 100 percent within two weeks because of how quickly it spreads and the outbreak in the central Okanagan. She adds if BC doesn't bend the curve soon, hospitalizations could reach record highs 
by the end of August. If we don't um, uh, turn down the numbers and if we don't modulate our behavior enough that we should see by the end of August numbers approaching the highest levels that we've seen yet. Now, um, what can turn that down? It can tur- we can turn it down if we really get more people vaccinated. Um, we're you know sitting right now at around 81% of the population eligible vaccinated. A man is facing several charges after an apparent unprovoked attack in Victoria's Inner Harbor. It happened around 4.30 yesterday near Government and Belleville Streets. Police were called after reports of a man swinging a large metal pole at people and vendors displays. One vendor suffered non-life-threatening injuries after being attacked. Officers arrested the suspect on the lower causeway. 31-year-old Gage Price is accused of assault with a weapon, mischief and breaching his release order. Just as many ferry travelers get set to return to the lower mainland from Vancouver Island, the fuel rebate for BC Ferries customers has been reduced. Starting today, the fuel rebate drops to 0.5% from 1.5%. That means customers will pay 10 cents more for an adult and 30 cents more for a vehicle on the Metro Vancouver to Vancouver Island routes. And it's 5 cents more for an adult and 20 cents more for a vehicle on the inter-island routes. Over the past 17 years, BC Ferries has been using a fuel rebate or surcharge to try to manage the volatility in the price of fuel. When we come back, forbidden climbs. What officials in Whistler are saying about this dangerous stunt. Welcome back. Just days after BC Hydro issued an alert about people risking their lives on the Crown Corporation's property, all in the pursuit of the perfect selfie, another example of someone doing something dangerous just for the view. As Grace Key reports, a man has posted a video of himself scaling a Whistler Blackcomb landmark and a construction crane in Vancouver. He goes by Chase T.O. and on July 19th, he documented his three-hour ascent to the top of Peak to Peak Gondola Tower at Whistler Blackcomb, even bringing a drone. He posted it all on social media, drawing the attention of RCMP and Vail Resorts. A statement reads, The individual trespassed on Whistler Blackcomb's tenure, bypassed a locked gate, and illegally climbed the tower for the purpose of filming himself. Adding, There is no risk to the public from this incident. Our lists are are inspected regularly, and a pre-operational inspection is always conducted prior to open. Let's get it. This wasn't his only death-defying stunt while visiting Vancouver. He also climbed a crane and then a rooftop. Vancouver police saying stunts like this are extremely dangerous and they often involve criminal offenses because the people performing them are usually trespassing on private property or committing other offenses by forcing entry to restricted areas. Beyond that, they are extremely dangerous for the people involved and they promote copycats. They can also put police, firefighters and paramedics in danger in the event the thrill seekers get stuck or injured and need rescuing. There have been a number of high profile deaths around the world and in BC from people attempting to capture that perfect picture to attract more subscribers. BC Hydro has also seen a 200% increase in trespassing incidents on its property in the past five years. Everything from swimming in dams to climbing transmission wires. As for Chase Tio, he says he's back in Toronto where most of his videos are filmed. In a written response, he says he doesn't worry about himself because he's confident in his abilities and he discourages anyone from replicating his videos. 
Grace Key, Global News. BC's police watchdog agency is investigating a sudden death in Coquitlam this weekend. Coquitlam RCMP officers responded to an incident involving a man at a building in the 1100 block of Hefley Crescent just before 3.30 this morning. Officers entered the building and then a short time later the man reportedly fell from an upper floor to the ground. The man was pronounced dead at the scene. The Independent Investigations Office will determine what role, if any, police actions or inactions may have played in the death. A day of off-roading turned into an expensive lesson for a driver on Vancouver Island. On Friday, conservation officers on campfire ban patrols near Nanaimo discovered a truck stuck in Haslam Creek with salmon fry swimming around it. The driver was slapped with a $575 ticket for unauthorized activity resulting in prescribed damage to the environment. They were also on the hook for a backcountry tow bill. Just ahead on tonight's news hour, the latest warning for Canadians in China. No matter how famous or powerful you may be in public opinion, you're fair game for Beijing. How the arrest of a pop star with ties to BC could signal a turning point in international relations. And they said he might never walk again. Well, not only is he walking, he's golfing like a pro. The comeback story you have to see as the news hour continues. The recent detainment of a K-pop star in China is putting the Canadian government in a tough spot. Chris Wu, who grew up in Vancouver, was picked up by police in Beijing following accusations of sexual assault. The Canadian citizen has denied the Me Too allegations. But some are wondering what role the Meng Wanzhou extradition fight may have on this case. Here's Global's Paul Johnson. In the world of Asian boy bands, you'd struggle to find a brighter star than Chris Wu. Rising to fame with a major K-pop group, the Chinese-born and Vancouver-raised singer broke out as a successful solo artist and then as a movie star. Showered with endorsements from brands like Porsche and Louis Vuitton, his success appeared unstoppable until Saturday. He's in big trouble. Vancouver lawyer Richard Curlin says Wu's status as a Canadian passport holder gives him no advantage in China. His 17-year-old accuser says Wu used alcohol to trick her and a number of other teenaged girls into having sex with him. And he was arrested by Beijing police Saturday. He's denied that. But what would otherwise be a straightforward sex assault investigation of a big star threatens to be complicated by the political situation between Canada and China. There's a Chinese saying, kill a chicken to scare the monkeys. China's going after top pop stars. That should intimidate others in the society to beware, because no matter how famous or powerful you may be in public opinion, you're fair game for Beijing. Hanging over everything is the still unresolved case of Meng Wanzhou, the Huawei executive arrested at YVR on behalf of the Americans who's still under house arrest in Vancouver. Many observers believe China's subsequent arrest of Canadians, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor, on spying charges was a tit-for-tat retaliation. Curlin says every high-profile arrest of a Canadian right now is going to be seen through that lens. Well, here we have a separation between our judicial system and our political system, not so in China. They're one and the same. Well, that certainly doesn't mean the charges against Wu are false. Curlin says for Canadians contemplating travel in China right now, it's a good time 
to be careful. Paul Johnson, Global News. And a footnote to this story, a spokesperson for Global Affairs Canada says they are aware of these media reports. Consular officials are liaising with local authorities to gather more information. For the first time, Canadians are marking Emancipation Day. Hundreds marched in the streets of Vancouver last year to mark the occasion. On Thursday, the provincial government officially proclaimed August 1st as Emancipation Day, honoring the day in 1834 when slavery was abolished in Canada. In Fredericton, hundreds of people marched through the streets to mark the day. New Brunswick, though, does not recognize Emancipation Day, but organizers are happy it is recognized at the federal level. They are pushing for the city and the province to do the same. They call it a first step towards recognizing that slavery existed in Canada. Activists say there is still widespread discrimination in employment, housing, and in the criminal justice system. In Alberta, police say a competitor in an Ironman competition west of Calgary has died. As Global's Matthew Conrad reports, despite the best efforts of volunteers, the man could not be revived. It was a tragic start to the Calgary Ironman race on Sunday. The extreme endurance event was taking place a short drive just west of Calgary in Rocky View County. Less than an hour after the race started at 7 a.m., RCMP say a 47-year-old Ontario man was pulled out of Harmony Lake where he was competing in the swimming leg of the over 70-mile triathlon. Our initial reports are that a race volunteer located um, an individual that was uh, in the lake and... Uh, appeared to have, uh, wasn't moving. Um, that volunteer went into the water, retrieved the uh, victim, and began CPR. EMS says the man was already in critical, life-threatening condition when he was removed from the lake. Following multiple attempts to resuscitate him, he was pronounced dead at the scene. Jennifer Rooney was at the lake on Sunday to cheer on her husband, who competes in Ironman challenges. She says it wasn't until the afternoon that she learned the man had died. She says accidents like this are extremely rare, and most times it's a pre-existing condition that can force someone out of a race, or worse, result in their death. You hear about heart failures and things like that. Like just These guys are working so hard and pushing their bodies so hard. In a statement to Global News, the Iron Man group said, We share our greatest sympathies with the family and friends of the athlete and will continue to offer them our support as they go through this very difficult time. RCMP says the medical examiner has been notified and will next look to determine the cause of death. Matthew Conrad, Global News. The smoky skies across Metro Vancouver and the interior can be dangerous for our pets too. Dogs are not immune to the smoke that makes our eyes water, throat hurt and headache. The poor air quality is just as bad for our pets. One Kelowna vet has treated dozens of animals for respiratory issues in the last week. The smoke continues to coat much of the Okanagan. Pets may have coughing fits or even develop redness and swelling around their eyes. Even today, I just got a call from two people that their dogs are coughing. It's just to try to take care of it. Uh, if there are some signs, call the vet, of course. We need to give some medication. We need to assess. Just be careful to make sure that, you know, it's very hard for us and we are not going to run a marathon uh, or to do a, a very heavily training. The same thing with dogs and cats. The best advice, stay home as much as possible and make sure you have a humidifier or ventilation to maintain airflow. Just like humans, elderly pets or those with pre-existing conditions are most at risk. Coming up, the pastime that's on a roll. Just ahead, the life-saving lesson being taught today at an East Vancouver skate park. 
that story after a break. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Thanks for staying with us. Normally this Sunday would be the culmination of Pride Week celebrations in Vancouver. But for the second straight year, Pride is much more subdued amid the pandemic. The Pride Society, though, is holding virtual celebrations instead of the annual Pride Parade through downtown Vancouver. On Monday, the transgender and the Progress Pride flags were raised on the North Lawn of City Hall. It is hoped Vancouver's diverse and evolving queer community will be able to celebrate in person next year. Let's bring in our meteorologist, Yvonne Shell now. And I know folks in the interior have been dealing with the smoke for a while now, and now we're seeing it in the lower mainland as well. Yeah, and it's increased for many areas. So the air quality health index, that's the risk that we're seeing, has bumped up for the Fraser Valley to about moderate, and we're seeing even a few spots getting closer to high. So we'll continue to track this, and we'll see the smoke across the region for at least the next 24 to 48 hours. So those with respiratory issues, make sure you try and limit the amount of time you're spending outdoors if possible. It's been hot, hazy through the day today. We're even still sitting at 25 degrees, and we've got temperatures with the humidex feeling into the low 30s. Here's a quick glance once again that we can see that air quality. It is deteriorating depending on where you are across the south coast, but we will continue to see that smoke across the region. Now, the air quality health index, as I had mentioned, sitting at low to moderate for a few areas, but there has been an update, and even in the Fraser Valley, I've seen one of the stations now popping up to seven, which is on the high scale. Here's a look at the smoke forecast. We'll still see that smoke across the region through the day for tomorrow. It'll move in right along the south coast. And here's a smoky skies bulletin that continues to blanket the province and stretching in towards the southeastern corner so the next 24 to 48 hours will be impacted by smoke from all areas across the province. Now the heat warning that's still in effect for the northern half of the province inland it's because the overnight lows are just getting down to 18 degrees. I anticipate that heat warning will be dropped for tomorrow with temperatures getting into the upper 20s but along the Sunshine Coast for the inland areas of the island, eastern areas of the island and Whistler however will still see temperatures leading in towards Wednesday into the upper 30s and the overnight lows between 16 and 20 degrees. So we'll still see that across for that area. Now we have had some instability this evening. We still have a severe thunderstorm watch for the southeastern corners of the province and then a look ahead towards tomorrow where we do have the potential to see some precipitation once again. But the instability is going to be there that we'll see the risk of thunderstorms and that'll extend for the peace, central and the southern half of the province. So a heads up and we could see very gusty winds moving in or near the thunderstorms. Now the northern half of the province tomorrow so there's that drop in temperatures inland, but the instability, risk of thunderstorms across the board. Very hot for the southern interior over the next few days, likely in towards Wednesday. And along the south coast, we will see that range in temperatures, especially away from the water, up to 30 degrees and with the humidex feeling like 34. Still hot and sunny all the way in towards our Wednesday. And then much needed, bit of a change on the way, Jordan. We're looking forward to some rain, the chance for some showers Thursday so far and leading in towards our Friday with highs just up to 21. Welcome change. Thanks, Yvonne. We've heard a lot about the growing resurgence of roller skating during this pandemic. And this weekend, some had an opportunity to take on the pastime for the first time. <laughs> the East Van Skate Crows hosted a free and socially distanced skate clinic at Hastings Skate Park today. About 40 skaters came out to give some tips on etiquette to beginners and others still learning how to roller skate group is also trying to encourage greater diversity. This is really important for me to have visibility, to have representation of roller skaters. Um, there's a lot of women 
queer people, non-binary and trans people, people of color who roller skate. Um, and oftentimes they're underrepresented in skate parks because a lot of people can feel intimidated. And especially if you're um, a minority and you're on roller skates, that can feel even more intimidating. And it's also scary because this is deep. So you do need a little bit of like emotional support and physical support. I'm also scared to like hurt myself when I go to the skate park if I'm on my own and there's no one to help. So yeah, doing that type of thing as a group is great. The Skate Crows also hosted a naloxone kit training session for participants and skaters in parks share their space with others in the community. That's some intense roller skating. Yeah. Not like the going in circles at Stardust no. that I remember. No. That's right. The mistakes in roller skating hurt. Yes, yeah. they sure do. <laughs> They're prepared. <laughs> They've got all the gear, though. They look good. Yes. Yeah. For some reason, though, you always fall on the spot. You have no protection. Yes. Very no true. It, it just knows. Well, you don't have roller skating in your sports cast, but you mm. have just about Not an else. Olympic event quite yet. But, <laughs> hey, let's hear it for the guys. Canada finally has a uh, male medal winner. That's right. Silence from Yvonne. We were hoping. <laughs> Get to the podium, guys. But uh, Andre de Grasse won uh, bronze in the 100-meter dash. Second straight Olympics that he has uh, won a bronze in that event. So we'll have highlights of that. Update you on the medal standings. Take a look back at the Whitecaps' uh, unlikely draw last night as well uh, against Minnesota. All right. Sounds good. And I'm not about to refer to the guys here. This is about a different story. <laughs> Taking it slow. <laughs> The penthouse has had its checkered past, right? I mean, but finally I can, I can look you square in the face and say we're, we are doing the right thing. Why some legendary night spots, including the penthouse, have been in no hurry to reopen. Only about one quarter of BC's nightclubs are back in business since COVID restrictions put the industry on pause last year. As Kristen Robinson reports, many iconic venues are holding out until they can return to normal and allow patrons to party like the before times. When our customers come into our bar, the first thing they do is they, they hug each other. It's a high five, a hug. And under the restrictions which are in place right now, none of that is allowed. Vancouver's oldest strip club was first to close and its owner says no one will see its COVID makeover complete with a new bar and stage until September. The penthouse has had its checkered past, right? I mean, but finally I can, I can look you square in the face and say we're, we are doing the right thing. Known for raids, run-ins with the law and a fire, the notorious club also didn't die with the murder of its patriarch, Joe Filipponi. Surviving COVID, a long haul, but Danny Filipponi says it doesn't make sense to open at half capacity, forcing staff to police patrons. We want to open when the penthouse can be the penthouse. Nightclubs which stepped up protocols and plexiglass last summer to open under restaurant guidelines during phase two found COVID cases quickly shut them down. People were closing and opening and, and we decided not to for the safety of our staff and customers. After the longest closure in its 33-year history, the Roxy also holding out for the return to a full-capacity dance floor. When you go to a business like ours, a nightclub, you want to be able to move freely to meet new people. Welcome everyone down to our Roxy Country Sunday live stream. Since mid-March 2020, the Granville Strip nightclub did a lot of live streaming to keep its name and brand alive, including concerts with homegrown talent and game shows. Uh, it was actually uh, a bigger success than we thought. The Roxy now hiring staff as it books local bands for October. 
There's about 50 nightclubs in British Columbia, and maybe about a dozen are open. Mostly smaller venues with COVID safety measures. It's a business based on violating social distance with strangers, right? And you can't do that right now in British Columbia. So uh, some places like uh, the larger nightclubs in particular here in, um, in Vancouver and some in Kelowna just elected to wait. There's been um, uh, clothed till further notice. After the longest two weeks ever of killer marquee signs, the penthouse primed to get back to business in time for its 75th anniversary. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Barry DeLay has sports after a break. Also coming up on tonight's News Hour, he's back and in full swing. The BC man who's defied the odds to walk and golf again. If the mountains are calling you this summer, answer them. From forests and wildflower alpine to rushing rivers and calm lakes, a BC mountain town makes the perfect home base for an adventure vacation. Hire an experienced guide and let passionate and skilled locals introduce you to new terrain, like alpine hiking and grizzly bear viewing in the Caribou Mountains with EcoTours BC. Take a flight seeing tour with sky helicopters in the Fraser Valley or Harbor Air seaplanes. Experience a guided hiking retreat through the vast Musquakachika management area in northern BC with Northern Rockies Fitness. Or head to Rosslyn in the Kootenays, the mountain bike capital of Canada. Brought to you by Destination BC. Plan your summer getaway at explorebc.com. Barry's here with sports and Canada adding to its medal count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Canada's doing uh, all right. You know, in the Summer Games uh, many Olympics ago, maybe in the last 20 years, we were not uh, in the top 40. Now consistently in the top 15. Good to see. All right, thanks, Jordan. Canada finally got its first medal from a male athlete in Tokyo. Overnight, sprinter Andre de Grasse ran a personal best in the 100 meters and won bronze at his second consecutive Olympic Games. And we got some highlights of it. DeGrasse in great form, had the fastest qualifying time, was second in his semi, did not get off to a great start in the final, was sixth at mid, uh, one point in the race, but showed great composure and came back to win the bronze in a personal best time of 9.89. Levant Jacobs, born in Texas, but running for Italy, won gold. Women's 4x100 medley swim relay. Canada had the fastest qualifying time didn't win the final, but they still won bronze behind Australia and the U.S. And Penny Alexiak won her seventh Olympic medal, most ever by any Canadian. The golf competition came down to the wire. Xander Schofield had a one-shot lead playing 18, needed this incredible wedge to save par on 18 to edge out Slovakia's Rory Sabatini, who fired a 10-under 61. There was a seven-way playoff for bronze, won by C.T. Pan of Taiwan. Corey Connors, 13th. Mackenzie Hughes was 50th. And the women's tournament starts Wednesday. Brooke Henderson has a good chance for a medal for Canada. So Canada up to 14 medals, 14th overall. Surrey's Shallon Olsen plays 7th in the women's vault final in gymnastics. And coming up at 1 a.m., I think a lot of people are staying up for this one. Canada-USA women's soccer semifinal. The winner goes for gold. The loser, though, will at least play for bronze. Well, after being smoked out of Kamloops in their final week of training camp, the BC Lions are back in Surrey at their headquarters there and will get ready for game one of their season. They practiced there this morning. The Lions roster is set. It'll be led again by quarterback Michael, not Mike anymore, Michael Riley with rookie Canadian Nathan Rourke, number 12 right there, backing him up. He's Canadian. The Lions will practice at home until Thursday. Then they'll get on a plane for Regina, where they will start the season on Friday night at 6.30. And remember, this year, 
All Lions games are over on AM 730, our partners. The Seattle Seahawks made a big change after last season when they brought in Shane Waldron from the L.A. Rams as their new offensive coordinator. Seattle's offense definitely slowed down after a dynamic start last year, so they are intent on having an offense they can count on all season long. It's obviously great that Russell Wilson and D.K. Metcalf can do this, or Tyler Lockett can do that. But the Seahawks want to see more of this in 2021. Running the ball. Seattle was 19th in rushing attempts last season, which is not typical of a Pete Carroll team. We always want a balanced offense. We want an explosive, balanced offense. And uh, that does not mean that it's going to be 50-50. I never thought that. and I've never, I don't ever talk that way. But the balance to me is the ability and the commitment to it so that when you need it, it's there. And so you can win games in the fourth quarter, run on the football, and do the things that you want to do in the style that we want to win with. And, of course, a solid commitment to the running game is exactly what number one running back Chris Carson wants to hear. It's going to be a lot more opportunities for us out there, um, even in the past game in the backfield. You know what I mean? It's just a lot more, you know, cold words, a lot more... Um, different you know schemes and different formations that allows the running back to get the ball out the backfield so it's gonna be interesting but the question always comes up to Pete Carroll when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson who started last season leading a devastating air attack why the need to concentrate on improving the slower and more methodical run game the running game is really what closes the circle on your football team about your toughness. You know, if you don't run football, you, you aren't going to be a tough football team. You're, you're always committed to it, and, and so that when you need it, whether it, it's the opponent, it's the weather, it's the situation, it's the fourth quarter, uh, it, it's the wind blowing too hard, or whatever it may be, that you have, you have uh, the availability of, of the run game whenever you need it. And, and uh, if you're not committed to it, and all of a sudden, here comes that game. You ain't got it. You know, you luck out. And that's not the way we've ever been. Our football has never been structured that way. Mark DeSantos and the Whitecaps played their final home game last night in Utah versus Minnesota. They got off to a good start. Russell Tybert with a nice through ball to Christian Dahomey. He's been the uh, Whitecaps' best player this year. That's his seventh goal, leading the team 1-0 Vancouver. But Minnesota got a late one in the first half to tie it. And then Robin Laud with a nice move cuts it to the inside, finds the corner to give the Loons a 2-1 lead. It looked like a sure loss. But in stoppage time, a questionable penalty call goes in the Caps' favor, and Dahomey scored his second from the spot. He actually hurt himself on the play, but not serious. Caps escape a two-all tie and never have to see Utah again. Terrible environment. Nothing happening. A, a wind that was annoying in the game. So in games like that, chippy, not good, we give the ball away for their second goal, you know, to react and fight and get the 2-2, it's positive. Let's just get in the plane and get out of here now. That's what we want. Should uh, say that the Caps were very gracious and happy that they had a place to play, but the conditions last night, well, they're happy to leave it behind. Evander Kane has answered back to accusations his wife made about him on social media, which were that he has been gambling on NHL games he played in with the Sharks. Kane said he's never bet on NHL games. He's always tried hard to help San Jose win, never to dog it, so they lose. Kane says he is going through a divorce right now, but regardless of what he says, the league will investigate those accusations. 
accusations. Now Kane has had some gambling issues outside of the NHL. He was sued in 2019 by a Las Vegas casino for allegedly not repaying a $500,000 gambling debt. Baseball today, Jays and Royals from Rogers Center in Toronto. Jose Barreos, who uh, they acquired from Minnesota a couple of days ago, making his first start will be the number one or number two man in the rotation. Helps himself out here to start a double play to get out of trouble in the second. Third inning, George Springer. He is really heating up and playing like the all-star he is. Booms one to right center. That scores Reese McGuire. But Springer thought they were going home with the throw, tries to stretch it to, to a triple, but he is out easily at third. But the Jays did have the lead, one to nothing. Later in the inning, Marcus Simeon continues his fine year, goes deep. It's a two-run home run. He's got 25 on the year now. His career high is 33 in 2019, so he should surpass that. Barrios was outstanding. Six shutout innings, seven strikeouts, gets the win in his Blue Jay debut. Jay's a perfect 3-0 at Rogers. Sweep the Royals 5-1 today. They're three and a half behind Oakland in the wild card chase. Victoria's Nick Pavetta starting for the Red Sox tonight in prime time. Boston trying to avoid the sweep in Tampa. Pavetta, 8-4 this year, has been excellent. Strikes out Austin Meadows in the first. In the second, Pavetta's known for his fantastic curveball. Freezes G-Man Choi for strike three. Six up, six down through two for Pavetta, but in the third, after a two-out walk, Pavetta on a 3-2 pitch hangs a breaking ball, and Brandon Lau jumps on it. Line drive homer to right. First hit of the game is a two-run shot, and the Rays lead 2-0. Pavetta, though, bounces back. Got a couple more strikeouts. Blows one past G-Man Choi. Six Ks in the game for Pavetta over four and two-thirds. Left down 3-1, and right now it is 3-2 Tampa. They are in the eighth. Hungarian Grand Prix, a wild one in uh, Hungary. Lewis Hamilton on the pole. Valtteri Bottas will cause a crash right after the start. Bottas was out of the race. There was a big downpour just before race time, so that wreaked havoc as the drivers had trouble with traction. Lance Stroll, the Canadian, also crashed on the first turn, running into Charles Leclerc, so Stroll's day was done. All cars uh, changed tires, and Lewis Hamilton does the restart by himself. That's interesting. Hamilton tried to take a big lead and then pit for a tire change a lap later, but came out of the pits last, would get up to third to take the overall points lead. Esteban Ocon took the lead, stayed ahead of Sebastian Vettel all the way, <coughs> excuse me, for his first F1 win. Vettel later disqualified, though, because he didn't have enough fuel in the car to provide a sample for testing after the race. That's a bizarre rule, but Coin hosts the trophy. Nicholas Lativi of Montreal was eighth and got a bit of a scratch. Yeah, you made it to the finish line, though. Barely. I'll take it from here. We'll be right back with Jay Durant's edition of This is BC for tonight. Stay with us. This is BC with Jay Durant, brought to you in part by Fortis BC, BC's energy solutions provider. A Chilliwack man was told he could have to spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair, but that only spurred Dustin Boyle on vowing to walk again. As Jay Durant reports in tonight's This is BC, he drew inspiration from his family and the sport he has loved since he was a boy. This is a swing three and a half years in the making. A swing that at one time Dustin Boydell didn't think he would ever make again after a staph infection around his spine left him paralyzed from the waist down. When I woke up from surgery, the doctor told me that I, 
that I might not be able to walk again. Here we go. That was Dustin's four-year-old son, Oliver, in the background. Dustin beat the odds after a grueling rehab. One leg at a time again. But things were so uncertain at first. The emotions that go through your mind are, okay, who's going to teach him how to walk and run and play sports and do all these things? Family motivated Dustin during his recovery. His love of golf also fueled him. Tireless hours in rehab. That's a great street. And I just pushed myself. I swore I was going to walk out of there. And true to his word, he did. Not bad. And finally, this incredible moment on May 25th of this year. His first swing since surgery, Dustin was back. And he tweeted that clip and tagged PGA pro Phil Mickelson in the post. Yeah! Mickelson responded and it just took off from there. Uh, 300,000 views later and ton, my phone was blowing up and friends are texting me. And... Shortly after, the founder of Paragolf Canada got in touch with Dustin and now he's become an ambassador, pushing for more instruction and clinics starting at the Chilliwack Golf Club. And the, the interest is through the roof, which is fantastic. And uh, I think it's going to open up a lot of doors for people that want to get back into playing golf. I thought maybe that wasn't an option for them. And Dustin is now driving to be one of Canada's best paragolfers, maybe even world-ranked one day. It'd be nice to have a, a club that is welcoming with open arms to people of all abilities. And that's, that's one of the big goals. Okay, put the ball down. You know, just because you have a limitation doesn't mean that golf can't be for you. Like he said in his tweets, never let anyone tell you that something is impossible. High five. Jay Durant. Good work. Global News. Amazing. Email your story ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca and be sure to tune in for a half-hour special airing tonight at 8.30 on BC1. Last word on the weather, Yvonne. Uh, we are going to still see the smoke across the region, so a heads up, air quality is poor over the next few days. And we'll update you tonight at 11. Thanks for watching. Good night.